Yeah. Hey, everybody. What, uh, what are you doing? That's how it is, man. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome back to the gas station. It's your boy, Tyler. YT. Glenn's not necessarily with us, but, you know, we keep the spirit going alive here. Hybrid Productions. Never missed. Never forgotten. How are you doing this week, Kevy? I'm doing good, man. Yeah, I heard that. Can you tell them uh, where to find us real quick if they're just tuning True. in or catching us for the first time? I'm going to get this going. I think you can find us on Spotify, uh, YouTube. If you're into watching us, you should check that out. It's pretty tight. Um, all these are H-I-B-Y-R-D. You can find us at H-I-B-Y-R-D productions.com. There you can listen to all the podcasts. This one, the gas station with T-Money, Dr. Ty, and White T. You can watch White T also on Let's Try Something New with our boy Matt. Yo. We're still getting him a chain. And you can check Matt out on Matt and Andy with Andy and Matt also. He's Matt. Yep, they're Andy and Matt. One of them is Ass Crack. And uh, you have to watch it to find out who. So check it out. Kevin, that's the most formal introduction I think you've ever given. <laughs> True. Yeah. yeah. We are also available right. pretty much everywhere. You can Apple find uh, yeah, your podcast. <laughs> podcast Addict, Google. Bam. Google Play. I'm, sure. I'm, whatever. If we, not, soon. Yeah. We'll, <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure we're there. True. Can someone look? I don't know. Yeah, I can check. True. Well, I figured so. Since we're kind of just doing kind of a unique episode today, we just kind of talk generally about some cannabis terms. I know you guys are always asking me some stuff and looked over the last couple episodes. I think you and I, Kevy, when you were on here, um, we got pretty down a deep rabbit hole on terpenes. Yeah. I'm always talking about them terpenes, man. Mm-hmm. Matt, pop up. Bring that around to the crew. It's some papaya cake. It's really tasty. Yeah. And I think, honestly, in that same interview, my man, uh, what would have been like my first point in the Terp Talk would have been, uh, and I could have been incorrect about it, but I think you used terpenoids is the term, you know? And if not you, maybe maybe Glenn or the conversation we had right after. I was talking it. about the flavonoids. No, no, no. We were talking about stuff. terpenes. It may not have been on the podcast. It was we right after. We were talking after. about terpenes as well, yeah. Yeah, because I started going off on, like, you know, cannabis as a cocktail of chemistry. You, we're know. Talking about the, you blew my mind. You said that that beetles and certain insects. Yeah, terpenes. yeah, yeah. And that that's where we – yeah, it's definitely after the podcast then because that, that's what you were referencing back to. So, yeah. <laughs> and so like just – just, just for uh, apps. Yeah, but they have a, a podcast situation <laughs> set up. Google Play Music, but – no, yeah, but I, I just don't know what the the feature's called. Anyway, but yeah, so, and you were absolutely right. And just to catch people up on that uh, conversation where Kevy was at the gas station um, as a guest for the full episode, we did talk about how terpenes are kind of the chemical signals of the plant world, and they even interact with... Uh, insects directly you know those that would eat those plants and then they use them for uh often you know defensive purposes within themselves whether it's spraying things or having unpleasant tastes or smells or so i i think it's really fascinating you know when plants will use them to attract pollinators um as insecticides uh to resist molds and pests and you know to even attract um predator insects that will eat like mites and aphids that's kind of wild mm -hmm. and so like they <clears throat> when the sun hits and they all evaporate right and it's that's like what you would smell when you smell cannabis overall is all these dozens of types of uh, molecules really intricate organic chemistry made aerosolized and that's what you're you're smelling and I think one of the points we used in that podcast was walking through a confer forest, you know, filled with like, you know, beautiful, lush trees, a lot of green. Well, a lot of these like pines and everything, they'll they secrete these pinings. And, you know, a lot of people have like mental clarity after spending some time in the woods and getting this, uh, you know. 
time interacting with this terpene in abundance. You know, like when you walk into the woods and you smell these things, well, when you smell that, it's in your nose. It's interacting with you, you know? So I, I think that's like a really unique in a way that we don't really necessarily appreciate because we can't see it. And even though smell is a very powerful and like can really tie to a memory, it's an, if you can't see it or you, you've never taken the time to connect the dots, it's harder for that to like materialize, you know, in the psyche. And then, so anyway, just, that's, that's that. But we were talking specifically about terpenes, terpenoids afterwards. And I thought it was very unique because, you know, I'm, I do industry stuff. We'll just call it that. And I hear those terms interchangeably. You know, and I think that's actually more and more often happening. And, you know, terpenes, terpenoids. What would actually be the difference between terpene like and terpenoid? A terpene, a terpene, a terpenoid, a terpenoid. I'm glad you asked that question, Kevin. Sure. So, uh, and I'll just give a disclaimer to everybody. I am, uh, <laughs> I'm not a scientist. I just love cannabis and chemistry and blah, 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 blah. But, uh, so terpenes are hydrocarbons, you know, and they're going to be what is like naturally occurring on like the cannabis plant and it's raw and natural state. And hydrocarbons, the molecule is just a string of uh, hydrogen, carbon, hydrocarbon sure. agency. And uh, terpenoids are going to have what is called an extra functional group onto this molecular chain of hydrogen and carbon. And just to keep things real cursory, a functional group, quote unquote, is going to be something in chemistry that gives you identity. So if you're an ester, if you're an alcohol, if, uh, you know, you're an isoprene, which we'll talk about here in a minute, you know, it's going to have these uh, unique functional groups that'll help ID that. And so this will typically happen to terpenes over time. Now they can get exposed to chemicals, UV, blah, 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 a bunch of different ways, or it'll happen most readily when we, uh, cure cannabis, they start to degrade. So, uh, some people I've heard describe them as like, thick and juicy terpenes and then terpenoids is like slightly dried out okay. you know what i'm saying but i think really the better way to describe it is kind of like a living cured kind of a vibe although that might break down pretty quickly uh if we dig too deep into it but just the idea that terpenes are this pure state so you're saying that so terpenes would be like the most like original form yes and then they slowly break down into or, terpenoids yeah i don't know if it's a breakdown because they they add functional groups but they definitely change okay so if they you lose know. or bond with something yeah so okay. what whatever's going to make it happen so like when you're losing moisture and all that exchange is happening and these are held in like the capitate stocks the bulbous you know all, all these you know the pin trite like all these oil structures with just like a thin waxy cuticle, you know, involving it like that chemistry may change a little bit to all these uh, things. And the important too, when it's on the living plant, it's getting constantly replenished. True. You know what I'm saying? So as soon as you cut it and cure it, it stops replenishing those, you know, have you ever, uh, how well, how much experience do you have with like living cannabis plants? Not very much, but I've been like gardening otherwise. Mm. So like I see how like when you were just saying that I was imagining like a bunch of flowers and like a vase or something. Yeah, I mean, Based, so like they'll stay there and they look good, but like they might bud another flower or two. Yeah. But then they start kind of just going away, you know, whereas if they were on the plant still, they'd probably still be flowering and growing or whatever, mm -hmm. producing more of the essential oils that that flower produces instead of, well, I'm sure they got terpenes too, the other plants. But. Oh, they're, they're abundant in nature. My man, yeah. cannabis, not the only stuff with it. And like we talked about insects, have it, trees, have it. Pining. Yeah. Pining. But yeah. So 
And, and that's and that's really critical when we talk about like the material and like the source bit too. You know, so while terpenes are probably the purest, and then terpenoids are like what degrades or alters over time. That's not to say uh, necessarily, you know, that terpenoids are without medical value or anything else. And terpenes are very volatile. You know, I think they're the, the biggest thing. Like if you were to Google, it'll be like a extremely volatile organic more, compound. More volatile than terpenoids, you're saying? Yes, I do believe okay. so. So that you whole know. stereochemistry thing I was talking about, you're saying most likely a terpene. Not a terpenoid. Oh, when they when they do like the, the chromatography, or... and then they do like uh, the separations. No, the stereochemistry is like the the ring itself mm, mm-hmm. is like changing shape, like it's oscillating, and it can have like it has multiple states where it can bond with different things in different states. I just thought that I, I again like I didn't go like too deep into it, but. Yeah, it's I. Blew it, my mind. I might only have surface on that, Papa. Yeah, you know. But I, I will say, like, uh, like that's the whole vibe, and we're bouncing around a little bit. But that's the whole vibe of, uh, you know, why there's such a hype on living material extraction right now. True, if that makes sense. You know, it's because there's a a uniqueness to the. F- the the flower and the plant when it is alive and producing these things really really fresh and it's not been dealing with raw oxidization and all these things and that's why the cure process is always controlled and you know like that's why they freeze it too you know when they when a live medicine is a it's a fresh frozen whole plant kind of situation and i always talk about like uh and matt we were talking about this just the other day too you know the woolly mammoth example it's that that got <laughs> the woolly mammoth is in the ice age freezes over falls down well it gets so cold it so well preserves the tissue thousands years later whatever we can go in and still get you know good viable tissue samples and do all this stuff for great Great data collection. Same thing with when we take this raw plant and we flash freeze it. And, you know, so there, <laughs> funny side note too, um, beyond the mammoth uh, comparison, going to absolute zero or approaching absolute zero, time is essentially standing still because there's no energy moving, there's no nothing. So if we can get as close to that as possible, what we are essentially doing is drastically slowing down the time degradation and oxidization rates um, of our precious terpene profiles Mm. because getting into this new thing there are not only terpenes terpenoids there are a bunch of classes of terpenes monoterpenes are the simplest of terpenes and they seem to be the most volatile so most of them don't really make it uh in the same percentage available from the fresh living flower all the way to the cured flower. Does that make sense? Like it, they're, they're, they're being generated by the living plant, but they're also so volatile. They're also being like essentially gassed off of the plant in real time. And the only way to preserve those is to cut the plant and immediately when you cut it at harvest, flash freeze it, you know, and that locks them in. And even then you have to delicately work with the material so, you know, hard solvents don't don't ruin it. And there's only a couple of things you can, you know, do with a frozen material. So, but yeah, that's that's the rave about the the live medicine right now in those terpenes, which I, I, I think is incredible, but is also the big reason people I think have such a difference with their experiences with them is because when you normally take like a, you smoke flour, you have a dab, a shatter, 
crumble, whatever you would have, that is all from cured flour. So you're starting to get into not these monoterpenes, which evaporate off pretty quickly after harvest. And, you know, what is left is these heavier terpenes. I might get this wrong. Sesquiter uh, terpenes, S-E-S-Q-U-I-T-E-R. And, uh, you know, these are going to be heavier, more dense terpenes. And I think this is going to be a lot stronger in these cured flowers or more traditional concentrate types. And if we can separate those types of flavors and effects, you know, the, the calming or the, this bright euphoric with the live, you know, it's, I think that's the, the biggest component. You know, it's not like the THC or the cannabinoids are changing so much. It's these other organic compounds, this cocktail of chemistry, you know. Yeah, you were saying like, <clears throat> that kind of blew my mind too. You're talking about how the different terpenes and, and cannabinoids and stuff present. Obviously, they give you a different feeling and effect, but you're saying it also changes the way like THC will modulate. Yeah, like you said, modulates. So you're kind of like, I so, don't know, it's what, like THC is like the signal. Do you know how they came adding up? Adding different effects to it. They like, figured out the uh, endocannabinoid system? No. Yeah, I know what you're talking about, but I don't know how they found it. Or well, they, they isolated the compound. They were looking at the, the pathway for it, and they took out. They took it all out, and they added back the the primary component. Anonymity. Oh, man, I, I'm so bad at saying that word. I should be way Anonymity? better. It's, what? Anonymity? <laughs> no. Um, Anidamine? It's whatever the actual component in your brain, uh, the molecule um, that THC slots into. I'll, we'll put it at the bottom and post. I'm fucking it up right now. I'm sorry, guys. But there, there's a the entire reason THC works at all is because your body produces a a natural um, component um, that gives you like the release of pleasure and relaxation. That's why cannabis is so helpful for relaxing is because when you consume that, it will lock into that same pathway uh, for signaling. So, but anyway. How are you saying it was spelled? A-N-I-A-M-A-D-A-E. I'm fucking that up too. It's weird. But anyway, they add that back and they're like, oh, well, this is not presenting with the same symptoms or the same effects uh, that we perhaps initially recorded. And then they start slowly adding back in these other relative compounds. And then they notice, although not necessarily their effect with it, but the effect felt overall is increased. You know, so it's it's uh, it's the gestalt. Um, you know, the sum of the parts or the sum of the whole is greater than, uh, all its parts, True. you know, so two plus two equals five. And that's, that's a really important takeaway with the cannabis. And so now we take that concept and we say, well, here's this, this volatile, even extremely hard to capture, um, set of terpenes. And when we, we flash freeze, we get them at harvest it's almost these new set of effects because of the amount of uh, terpenes that are in there and these monoterpenes present, you know, like live material. I think there's been some studies that they have more monoterpenes and by, by a small amount, right? Relative, but much less sesquiter terpenes, you know, 15 to 18% or something like that. Which is very impactful, you know, when we consider that. And what's the sesquiter terpenes again? <sighs> so the the way terpenes are broken down, I think in their... I got to rack my brain for a second. Um, it's the carbon and then it's these isoprene units, like their chemical structure, the numbers of them. So it's like the numbers are carbon the number of isoprene units. So it's pretty much like what's the head of the thing look like and what's the funky tail of it look like, 
and uh, isoprene, which we were talking about earlier a little bit. So that's a Kevin, you're on a roll with these questions, Papa. Um, isoprene is just a, a five unit carbon. Holy moly, this papaya cake is kicking my butt, dude. It's a it's a five unit carbon thing. And uh, it really, it's just a shape, right? On the tail structures, like one, two, three, four. We'll put some up here. But uh, you see them a lot in like terpenes, you know. And so that's, mono has the least. And then there's... Uh, one that I can't think of right now, and then sesquiter. I think I have a note on it, dude. I've been doing this whole thing without having to look at these so far, man. Uh, hold on. Yeah, I got you. So mono has two isoprene units, and I was I was a liar. Uh, sesquiter is right. Um, after that, there's no in between one. So mono has two. Sesquiter has three. That also means mono has 10 carbon atoms. Sesquiter has 15 carbon atoms. True. And then I, there's six different uh, classifications of like uh, prefixes How that would denote. hydrogens they would have? Uh, hydrogens and isoprene units. So we have mono, <coughs> sesquiter, <coughs> di, <coughs> sester. So not sesquiter, sester terpenes, triterpenes, and... Uh, tetraterpenes and that's two three four five six seven on the isoprene units and 10 15 20 25 30 40 on the carbon all that said they just get bigger and bigger and rarer and rarer kind of you know for you to get so and again those isoprenes it's like a very very base terpene so you remember a long time ago when i told you rubber was a terpene yeah, that was like, what? <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of what rubber is, right? They get it from a tree. It's got all these isoprenes in it. They collect that. And uh, it's like a polymer of that. And all a polymer is a big old chunky molecule. And uh, like I think it's like resin or organic impurities. Oh, to make it like... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I mean, Did so... Come out like sap then? Is rubber originally like... Like yeah, they, ta- they tap for it. And then they they process they it. They process it, yeah. I thought it was like... But that's my favorite like thing, cold. is to tell people that rubber is a terpene. It's, it's wild, man. Yeah, that might be the name of this episode, is rubber is, rubber a, terpene. is a terpene. What do you think, YT? Usually slick with these episode names. Okay. Heard. <laughs> <laughs> no rest assured glenn is he's turping it down he's doing well he just unfortunately couldn't be here with us today so but yeah so we were talking a lot i think in the beginning about uh terpenes well yeah but terpenes and <laughs> we met, i mentioned they were a hydrocarbon yeah when we were talking about like uh, terpenes versus terpenoids. Terpenoids no longer being just hydrocarbons oh, okay. because they have extra bits, okay. you know. So uh, a fun thing about hydrocarbons. Um, what do you know about hydrocarbons, Kevin? I know that they're not fluorocarbons. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin's been calling hydrocarbons fluorocarbons for two days now. Yeah, at uh, least. I don't know where that came from. I don't know. It sounds good. Mm-hmm. There should be a thing called a fluorocarbon. There might be. I'm not that, you know, well-versed to be like, that's not a thing Um, with confidence. So from my understanding of it, and this is just based on what we've been talking about just this little bit, it's either a ring or a string of essentially just a bunch of hydrogens and carbons. And from what I know typically about carbon... And hydrogen, I feel like they both really easily bond with a lot of things. Like there's a lot of spots within chemistry for a hydrogen or a carbon to bond to. Yeah, you see uh, them looking like very pretty, like these box structures, you know, like the Lewis dot structures and stuff like that. You know, they're they're very organized and double bonded. 
you know, but they are powerful organic solvents. So that means you could theoretically extract like terpenes with a strong concentration of terpenes. It'd just be mad expensive, Damn. you know, and hear me out. So terpenes are hydrocarbons, <coughs> butane, propane, pentane, hexane. All of those are hydrocarbons. True. The bezanine. Are they terpenes? No. Okay. So there are other hydrocarbons that aren't terpenes. I believe that is it. Yeah. Okay. You know. What makes something a terpene then? Uh, I believe it's those isoprene units. Okay. Which I'm not sure if they're a functional group, but they they do showcase their structure a lot in uh, terpenes. Because isoprene, I think, is like the basest of terps. You know. Oh, and let's see if I can pull it up. It's like 2-methyl-1-1 one, one, or 1-1. One to something I don't know that's what isoprene is I'm trying to pull that up I used to be such a snob and no shit like that what? I'm seeing the isoprenoid isoprene yeah I'm seeing two different things I would imagine and bet it's probably a very similar thing to terpene and terpenoid you know what I'm saying? Like one is going to be composed of carbon so hydrogen. is an unsaturated hydrocarbon. Yep. So once it becomes saturated, now it's a terpene. I'm not sure. I don't know the chemistry that deep. True. I just know it's a very, very uh, yeah, base terpene. Go. Something about natural rubber. Yep. Yeah. Isoprene. That, dude, that's, it was the first thing I ever, because uh, I was just taking a deep dive into terps. You know, and it's like, dude, I've been telling you, you know, rubber is a terpene for years. Yeah. So it's, I don't know. I think it's the most interesting thing. Yeah. No. Yeah. I think it's wild. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, you were asking me like, what was my most like the difference like coming into the, the whole industry now? Yeah. Yeah. That was probably one of the main things right there. Like I was saying, like I knew a lot or I knew a decent amount. So I thought and then being like plopped into this world of like isoprene units and stereochemistry and hydrocarbon. I'm like, whoa. Well, dude, I mean, at least you're taking the initiative to learn that stuff. True. Yeah. Because it's out there. Yeah. For free. You know, it's sometimes difficult without like a. A teacher or the ability to like go over coursework like in some way to like review, yeah. but you know, you just, you keep at it, you know, and you slowly take it away, engage with a community, you know, and talk to people. And I mean, now more than ever, the cannabis, you know, field is, I should say open. It's definitely more open than it ever was. You know, because there used to be a whole bunch of like private grower forums and they developed cult followings. I mean, that's all well and good. People are out there risking mad shit, pheno hunting and making stuff slap, you know, when it wasn't, let's just call it green lit to do so. Um, so I get it. But in terms of like all those secrets, you know. People didn't grow up. We, we have people like, I mean, I just, we just have a lot of people in the, the cannabis space that are really educating, you know, freely. So, hell, I've That's learned good. a lot of my shit like that, you know, whether it's oh, the Future 4200 forums, you know, uh, Blue River Terps. You know, Tricome Institute, Murray Murphy. Uh, there's a couple other ones. Shout out all these people. Yeah, shout outs <laughs> to all those people. You know, Max, Tricome Institute, Tricome Research Institute. Sorry, spacing right now. But yeah, just a, a whole bunch of people. Some of those are all for education, maybe more freely than others. But uh, it's not to say that that 
any expense paid to those would be wasted at all. In fact, I would be willing to bet because of the expert level, you know, your the value that you should be able to make actionable it will dramatically return your investment, if you will. True. Yeah. Oh, probably without a doubt in some cases. So, but yeah. But yeah, man. So I think that's kind of uh, the vibe, you know. Do you have any other questions? Uh, yeah, a whole bunch. Oh, yeah, I hit me. I don't know if we can talk about them just like that yeah i mean like what really makes stereochemistry into that breakdown of the saturated versus unsaturated hydrocarbon how that relates to isoprene units and structure of it all yeah that i don't know there's a question over there how does marijuana make you high oh no but that that's what we were saying it's uh Damn it! I, we got to look up the Modulation. name. Modulation. Like your your brain naturally makes a molecule that THC replicates in your brain abundantly, and it does so powerfully, and so that will give you feelings of euphoria, relaxation, but. Because your body is only going to, in a natural state, produce smaller amounts of that, could be overwhelming. So it's best to start low and go slow. Is that where the paranoia comes from? That could be, um, well, and I do believe, too, uh, THC in a pure state just works as a stimulant. So all these factors in, you know, if you're feeling that spread throughout your body and now you become extremely self-aware um, of a rapid heartbeat, that might be enough to give some people anxiety as is, you know, so much less a circumstance or they're treating for a flare up. So, you know, it's best to know that it's not going to be lethal, your dosage. It can most certainly be uncomfortable cool glass of water is the best first step and then just go lie down you know don't call you know text people if you can or voice to text save yourself a lot of headaches <laughs> no. but yeah so your your body has a natural signal path that cannabinoids interact with and uh you can honestly think of cannabinoids overall interacting with the signal path in a terms of like uh, regulators right so digestion uh, metabolic that's the same thing sorry uh, your nervous system um, you know just you you have a lot of programs in your body just running on automatically and sometimes they kind of, and we're just keeping it simple, like, go a little out of whack. And when we target these and the more we learn about it, we can use cannabinoids to kind of go in there and help regulate those systems. You know, so like Delta 8, there's some research that shows potentially great for helping chemo patients, you know get their diet back under control, get them able to eat, you know? So it's, that's great, you know? But it's because it's helping flip certain switches in a targeted way, you know? And those people's, like, metabolic regulation. So, yeah. And, I mean, so they, <laughs> they're also on the opposite of that. They're looking at, like, THCV as, like, the... This next designer weight loss drug, appetite suppressant type of situation, you know, you know, sell it to all the soccer moms and the Hollywood types and, you know, it's or the dystopian future where we're fighting for resources. Whatever. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's just interesting. But that's also because it is also doing a different type of signaling. You know, CBN seems to uh, 
like have this effect on you, these like peripheral nerves and the way that they interact with pain receptors. And, you know, it's, I might be glossing over that again. It's pretty potent on the, what was in that joint, but you know, that's a, a different signaling path, you know, when, I think it's interesting because it's like, well, where does your tolerance come from? It's from these interactions happening over and over again on these signal paths. And, you know, something like that might be a slightly different one. Well, is it enough to consider your tolerance to a different molecule altogether different? Is that why if you like smoke one strain for a while, kind of like loses effect a little bit and then you switch strains and it's impactful i I think that's got a lot to do with it you know while you might have a favorite strain you know just like anything you know you'll you'll appreciate one flavor by having another flavor way more than just having one flavor all the time yeah like same thing with the effects yeah you can only eat so many reese's at once you know yeah i mean so if you're if you're smoking only these like let's say i don't know limonene dominant you know terpene profiles because you love it you know and they're all kind of fruity you know or lemon bright like that's your jam and it starts like weaning the effects a lot of it will probably be the so a lot of this too the majority of the effect is going to be like the primary chemical component in the concoction which is going to be these cannabinoids and then everything else is a slight modulation. So I would I would say that slight modulation might be building a resistance, but also the THC too. True. Yeah. So and if you switching a gen- if you're switching a genetic, you're switching your average THC percentage typically and your your terpene profile. True. Yeah. And the cannabinoids. Yeah, and a great, great, great call out, Kevin. You know, you're all together, your cannabinoid profile, because yeah. it's best to think of those as a profile. I mean, I don't like how other markets talk about TAC because they add both like active THC and then all of them. It's just, it's weird, right? Because they're, they're not going to convert it to THC which is like the average that you would be consuming when you light it and inhale it. They just keep the THC number. Oh yeah. THCA. Yeah. So like their 30, whatever percentage by the time it activates and you convert it is much lower. Would they count the THCV? Yeah. If if it's on there, because they do it because TAC and that's where TAC is great. Total active cannabinoids. And Delta eight as well. Do they, sometimes lump that into I don't the, I don't know how natural delta 8 is in flower papa true yeah I know you can get there by being nice with the tools let's say with CBD or THC delta 9 you know and that's like the whole whole thing right it's like if you turn CBD into delta 8 you're good to go right is it an analog of THC? What I mean, about that? What, what about that? CBD? Dude, I saw at one of these fucking hemp shops, THCO and a disposable vape pen. I don't even know what that is. That shit blow my mind, that, dude. If you about THCP. I've never heard about THCO. That's some wild. Yeah, it's THCO acetate. Can pass the blood-brain barrier. You use it. It takes uh, 30, 40 minutes to kick in, and then it lays you out like a pain pill. Yeah. Now, I'm not advocating THCO. Uh, I, I've run it aside by a person or two when I was told, like, hey, to make it, it's extremely dangerous, you know. But uh, and I've been told by another person that and both of these people are brilliant, by the way, you know, that like it's uh, extremely hard to test for accurately. You know, sure, like if you even got it the right well, it's, I mean, I guess it's it's not necessarily like a difficulty of test because of like, oh, how do we do this? It's more of like the equipment necessary to do so is difficult to have. Sure. Got to be a big old hardcore lab. But, Hydrocarbons. 
Hydrocarbons. Fluorocarbons. Fluorocarbons? <laughs> no, shut up. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to mute this mic, bro. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's pretty hilarious. <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, it's wild, man. And then I think, too, like, if we're just talking about things that are in cannabis, like, flavonoids and theols, I think are going to be in that order the next biggest thing. What's you a know? theol now? I a feel like is like... Flavonoids are pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, theols are kind of like the unctuous funky. Okay. You know, so... Like cheese? Yeah. Like that cheese Cheese, smell? sour, gassy. Come from a theol. T-H-I-O-L. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like these garbage smelling smells, you know, that rude smelling weed. Sulfur. Yeah. It's a sulfur analog. Yep. Of alcohols. Yep. What? It's an organics. So again, so it's best always to remember cannabis is a cocktail. And your test that you're getting for in flour is only representative of a small bit. Like, if you're, I don't know, let's let's say it's like the state requires you to cure your cannabis flour pre-testing down to like 13%, comes back 20%, 5% terps. Points two percent flavonoids, you know, like where are we at with the rest of that? I mean, a lot of it's going to be, I'm sure, you know, fiber, plant matter. Yeah. So, <clears throat> but like y'all saying, like I, I feel like there's a lot of stuff that we, I feel like we're just on the tip of the iceberg. Well, man. that too, and in really good, well preserved cannabis or like these live hydrocarbon materials, it's like. Or even fresh frozen, you know, solventless live rosin. You know, you you get this robustness, but it's, I mean, I've seen some stuff that's really greasy, but like it looks almost more greasy than the numbers look, if that makes sense. And what I mean by that, like, yes, if it has 10% terps, hell yeah, that's, <laughs> that's fuego already. But I've seen stuff at 10% terps that doesn't look that greasy. And... Some things I think, and it's not like it's bad. What makes ten percent terps is usually going to be a nice looking. It's going to have that terps. Like then, what's making it? Well, no, no, no. It's not. Well, I mean, yes, it could be other things. But what I'm getting at is that the tests for terpenes themselves may only be testing for a panel of sixty. Oh, when there's like hundreds, Yeah. yeah, you know, so. Especially when you get into like these these weirdo modern strain. I don't know. Flavors are crazy nowadays, but you know we're in a weird spot where like getting a real haze or that real skunk is that's also almost exotic at this point. So you like know? I'm seeing here like so when people talk about like skunk, like cat piss, kind of like that dank like so, you say gas garlic mm-hmm. so when you onion so hear me out people don't think of these things so when you take like a botanical vape cart i'm seeing here also that it's in human sweat yeah it has theols in it yeah or whatever, thiol or whatever yeah that's why when you're sm- eating onions and you're you you're smoking like stanky weed and dude you ever you ever oh, yeah. smoke a stanky neck, weed in your back in of your, your neck? neck yeah what's up boy yeah, you know, but I mean, it's it's important to to know that it's all these things that are making an eclectic, eclectic effect when you consume cannabis. You know, so you have your cannabinoids. Yeah, because that's a huge thing. People flab- are talking about terpenes, flavonoids, like and you can't get them in vape carts, botanicals. Why? Because they're taking from fruits and isolates in specific well, ways, and say, it doesn't preserve cannabis it. derived. Now, like, now, are we capturing these now, accidentally? On, now, like, on, not on trying the to? on the market, you can get like live hemp derived. Uh, terpenes and they come I'm, dude you'll see marketing all for it, like rich in flavonoids and theols you'll see it you know but that that's exactly what they're doing because 
they're not even saying just cannabis derived. They're saying, well, we're capturing these other things in the process, you know? So it's really, really interesting. And I think those things, that's how you get like the gassy flavors, those unctuous flavors, those funky, you know, notes that are like real deal to the cannabis into concentrates because the way that you would normally extract them might otherwise lose them unless you're doing like a fresh frozen situation and preserving them. True. You know, so. It's got a half-life on it. it, it yeah, you have to, you have to be delicate about it. And if you're just going to distill it, you're going to lose it all. You know, if you're going to cure it, it might be there, but less, you know what I'm saying? So if you had something that was uh, extremely gassy, it would be ga if it was gassy in the flower, because it would be fresher and then that preserved nature. We were talking about the woolly mammoth, absolute zero freezing time. It would be way gassier in that live, and you you would have these flavors come to the thing because again, now when that greasy bit is at ten percent, we're not even testing for flavonoids often. We're not testing for theols often, um, but even the terpenes could be. Hey, we have another 05 percent terpenes that are obscure. You know that are in there that are unique. We can have these theos that are now in there, and then so we could have like another one to two percent extra, and that's what I'm saying. So in at ten percent, like garlic carts, dude, bro. So <laughs> I mean, dude, I I don't know how much info to to give out on it, but uh, t that'll tie it back to doing whatever. But uh, you know, there was in mass, you know. GMO had like 7.1% terpenes. True. Yeah. And I, I would love to see that been given the, the live treatment, you know, just because like uh, to capture all those things when it smells so funky like that and earthy and. Uh, yeah. Especially when we're like pushing 30%. And then plus terpenes and whatever, like oh, dude, it was like thirty-two percent. Like you're saying that, and then seven percent. Like you open it up, it's just all oil with like a stem. Yes. You know like it I mean? can't <laughs> be stable. It's just like one it, it can't, it can't be stable. It just looks like it is stable, like yeah. but it's like always in a state of perpetual melt. Is that what? like gutiation comes from or is that like a whole separate thing <laughs> gutiation isn't involved in concentrates it's strictly a flower thing and gutiation is uh where instead of expressing their sugars through their roots plants uh have an issue and then instead of forcefully express the sugars through uh, like stalks and flower sites okay and so that's when you see like if the the big strain that kicked everybody up about it was pink man goo yeah. And uh, they, it is a, a genetic um, that they locked in. I believe they bred it. But uh, also they do some stuff with the lighting to force that to happen. True. You know, so when you pinch the bud, like the sugars come out of it. And it's just like aesthetic or like a. I mean, I'll, honestly, my man, it'll. They say it, oh, it gets you a little higher. But I don't think it, so. it's, in my mind, it's it not adding anything other rotting. than like. Maybe sweetness to the bud. True. You know, but you you're gonna have thing. to you're gonna have to cure that with extra special care because it's got extra things to interact with bacteria, sugar. Sure, yeah. You know, and honestly, like Yeah, I thought my when's the last time you smoked a honey blunt? Not too long ago, I think, right? No, no, like when you actually took a oh, put honey on, on a blunt. Oh, it's been a while, bro. Yeah, you know, like I'm not into like the burning years. sugar, yeah. but you remember it was it would fizzle and crackle and pop. Put that in a bowl, a bong. Like that's not the experience uh, I, I'd be into. I, yeah, I just worried. Me. I would I would try because I haven't had it, and it's like I thought it was like rotting or like because I'm like in my mind I'm like this shouldn't be wet or yeah. mushy right now. Well, sometimes it'll appear mushy. on some. So it all boils down to like. Uh, but in my mind, that's what it would be like. It's called bricks, I think. When you're nearing like fifty percent oils content. Oh, biomass. Like, yes. Yeah, so I'm like, yes. Ooh, like you got it's like a lot. mushy stuff. You know, like how can it be contained in the, in the or like an orange? Like you squeeze it and it just like. 
Well, I mean, they're looking for that in certain. So some hash makers are breeding and growing exclusively for resin production and trying to ID a couple of things. But the the different thickness of the the bulb, the head of uh, the trichome, you know, that's that's waxy. So oh, it's th- think of how thick or thin that this is oil coming out i thought that was like a drop of oil oh it's a whole it's a whole bulb and and it fills up you know know yeah so it's uh it's amazing you know it's a gland on the outside of the plant essentially you know they have like pin ones and just the stalks and then like these bulbous heads you know that they're so they're looking for stuff that has the perfect level of uh that that waxy cuticle for the best flow and uh, minimal resistance, but also they they want to get something like a head that like has maximum oil, a, a, like or... a, a nice strong head, but like a weak connection to the stalk. These, right? Up, yeah. yeah, because that's the whole purpose. So, uh, do you know what? Do you know why? Like, you add so much ice into the bubble hash process? Yeah, for that, like that live aspect of it right to just well if you're doing a live oh, run on the knock it off, off the the trico heads you're saying yeah. uh, well a, a couple of reasons but to it keep it brittle it makes it brittle yeah and that's that helps you as you separate which and, is also why you were saying like you got to be extra careful with the live stuff because you could just knock off all that stuff if you're, you, not you're gonna you want to be careful the whole yeah. thing so we're gonna have to get this you know set up to hybrid productions and if we can't get double flip or huncho <laughs> you know we'll uh we'll do it but it's a phrase that i've been saying for a minute now and it really really applies to the live rosin experience psychic umami it like the intention that you're gonna put into like this live material and its care all through the way is so evident in the end product it's beyond the end product if that makes sense, like the intention makes it more than what it is when you do it well, because you're factoring all those things, the ice, the the brittleness, like we we're talking about the wax, the resin production, what is it actually going to yield? And when you're really in it and you look at it, you're like, my analytical data might not give me my full representation. And so what does it actually look like, like hands on? There's Oh, and then you finally that. see it, and you're like, oh. "Yeah, you know," and it's and it looks different than this because of the the ice, or because you add this, or yeah. Add, yeah. And also, just just for the ice thing, it uh, it it'll separate um, the the plant matter from the material. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's more dense than water, so it will sink, and the plant matter will float up. Helps keep it preserved. Yeah, it's just, it's beautiful. So. Uh, I'm just curious, like going back to like the adding the sugar thing, do up, like, can you add like other things? Like, let's say like lavender or. You could add essential oils and some people have done that while like the, the plant is curing or not curing. Um, Oh my gosh. Sorry. Flushing. And that's where you just add pure water into, um, you know, the the feed. And so it like eats up all the nutrients that it had. It's not going to be present in the flour that you smoke. Um, but some people will add, uh, whether it be lemon to make sure it's like healthy and kills anything because it's like clean. Some people will grow with it in a little, you know, bits over time to try and add flavor. Some people will even cure their buds with like lavender or orange rind to try and give that thing. I was thinking more of like adding like a double effect, like let's say like an indica with like lavender. Would that just make? Oh, you mean like you mean? Got you. So smoking botanicals alongside cannabis has been a, a big thing forever. You know, so whether it's like uh, blue lotus, da- Damian flower, Damiana. Damiana flower, you know, like the, and I'm not recommending any of this mugwort. I any, am. <laughs> whatever, okay. I'm not <laughs> recommending Damiana. Let me take that back. I recommend mugwort 
and <laughs> Lotus and yeah, I'm Lavender just, I'm, and all that. Yeah, Those I'm, pedals go yeah, for they, it. They definitely skull cap. Yeah, they <laughs> they definitely happen. You just really need to be sure if you do decide to do that. One, do a small amount with cannabis. You know, like you don't know the interaction. Oh yeah, don't there. just load up a whole bunch yep. of them together. And even before that, you need to double check your manufacturer for pesticides because you don't want to be huffing a bunch of stuff that someone just sprayed on a field of shit. Also, and they're just selling is dried leaves for the application for some of these. Maybe you know, lighting up with cannabis might not be the best. Uh, like this method yeah you yeah. could just make a tea or something out of it you know? yeah and all i'm saying is that you know to sam's question is like that definitely happens and let's say that you wanted to target lavender high in the terpene linalool potential for being an anti-epileptic for being relaxing like when people sell lavender smells and their perfumery or their scents and they say oh here's a relaxing purple candle well they're doing that because linalool seems to be re relaxing and the same way like pinene might be mentally clearing linalool seems to provide people with calm so you could add that to a strain that's high in linalool you know, naturally. And that's why getting good analytical data is really great because I think sativa hybrid indica is not great, but if you could learn the effects of some of the things, whether it's through tactile experience or just looking at the COA, I mean, I would always recommend trying it personally, but, uh, you could then definitely pair uh, a, a matching botanical with it so long as it was safe for sure and people do all the time you know so yeah all right anyone else do you think shrooms have ever become as uh entrepreneurized as marijuana has yes maps just got uh, the first set of things approved and i think they went public with like a company that you can get in i forget exactly how it works but all that said to say it's starting and they're the first people to get that research like thumbs up in America. So I'm, I'm excited to see it. Um, I hope that it does get successful in that way. But I think the drawback to shrooms being as popular as weed will be two hurdles. One will be the fact that you can't really trip or have an experience with that back to back. Your your body's natural reaction is going to be let's shut this shit down, take it the next day at the same dosage. You will you will not have as powerful of an effect. The tolerance spike is pretty high. Um, that seems to be across the board. So you're not going to be able to sell like. You would weed to somebody, oh, here's an eighth of weed every day, you know, and they could do the same effect. But the way they're going to go about it, I think, is teach people uh, like, you. well, you can actually benefit from psilocybin um, and psilocillin. I think I'm saying that right. Um, Psilocybin? Like, yeah. What it comes from? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Uh, you know, and microdosing. So they're going to have to educate the population. Like it's not all about tripping. You can do in very small amounts. Like, uh, I, I, and I'm sure this varies from everybody greatly. I don't know if there's good hard data on it, but I like for five milligram or like a, a fifth of a gram, point a two, microgram, yeah, whatever. yeah, point one of a of a dose. You know, that might even be too too large, but just yeah, dude. Honestly, because I. Like you're saying, you know, the, the tolerance stuff differs, but like, I don't really do that anymore because I'll eat like 0.2 and I'll be like full on like psychedelic experience. And I'm like, whoa, yeah, did not want that. <laughs> yeah. But to answer your question, uh, I, yeah, I do think it'll, it'll get to a close point, but those will be the two big things that they'll have to figure out. Yeah. Also, I think people... I don't know. Maybe it's changing, but I think people in positions of power fear psychedelics hitting the population, especially something that is like uh, 
I'm not saying it's for everybody, but um, a psilocybin mushroom experience, even if it's just some QB, some cubensis, you know, it's it's nice. And, you know, it's kind of like a... And in the right dosage, in the right environment where it's taken, you know, where you've just maybe tried to get yourself in the right headspace, can be like a nice little reset button. You know, you get overburdened with sensory information, and I kind of compare it to like, and I think this actually happens. I could be wrong on this, so take this with a grain of salt. Is like parts of the brain shut off or shut down a little bit. True. And it's not like they die or anything else like that. They just, it's like. I think it's the opposite. Function goes down. I think I get what you're saying. So your other areas open up, other areas that might. Your your perception shifts away from these other things that are so readily dealing with the world, your antennas, if yeah, you will, that, that it goes going internal somewhere so else. So you're exactly so it's it's it, that's what creates the shift in perspective. That's what puts you inside your body on shrooms. Sure, like you stub your toe and someone smacks you in the face to get rid of the pain in your toe. It's like, <laughs> Don't so ever smack jarring. me in the face, Kevin. If you you know you wanted to get rid of pain somewhere else, you know, just I don't take know. your mind off it. Okay. <laughs> okay, Damon your Waynes. Hmm. Hmm. What? Mr. Waynes? I don't know who that is. Damien Waynes. Damien Wayne? Yeah, who like, played who played wow. Major Pain? Oh. I thought you were talking about Robin. Alexa, who played Major Pain? Answers contributor Damon Wayans. Did that answer your question? <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he does that in the movie. No, but you use Alexa. We didn't pay Google for that. Yeah, we have to get her a mic for sure, man. No, it's okay. People will get mad in the podcast world because when we ask for it, they <laughs> will be listening in their home or in their car and it will trigger their thing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like it, i i won't do it but if you said whether it's like the you're talking to the google or whatever you do like the, hey give me the address and you they hear that it'll it's all it's all no bueno so where we at kevy it's about that time man oh shit Dude, we did the whole thing. Yeah, we did it. I didn't even it's finish my water. Informative so far too. I like had a bunch of questions and you just kept answering them, and I'm like, I don't get to participate now. Oh, do you have any questions? Oh, I mean, it's pretty no, open. You answered all of them, which is kind yeah. of annoying. Sorry, Papa. <laughs> Hydrocarbons are dinosaurs. Oil is organic. Is mayonnaise a terpene? All right, you got any shot? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Is horseradish a terpene? That I don't know. I would I'd be willing to bet thing, that there bro. is there is some uh, terps in there. But yeah, that that too that that is another interesting thing I like another to shout out. On, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's uh, you know, when we talk about hydrocarbons, terpenes are organic, right? So hydrocarbons are also organic, you know, and they're just made from fossilized remains. So if we extrapolate that like all like these these clean natural gases and even crude oil, organic material. That's uh it's really just like rubber. what? Rubber. Rubber. <laughs> rubber is a terpene. All right. Matt, you Gucci Papa? Good. All right. Hell yeah. Let's get out of here, guys. Cork? Because rubber's a terpene? I think cork is just like the actual fiber. bark structure, like a fiber. Yeah, but like, isn't rubber pulled out of some nonsense? So rubber would be more like an amber resin situation, where oh. it's like it, they they like maple, they pipe it, you know, and then they tap the tree for it, and then it gets processed. So really, that those isoprenes they just get molded together, you know, and rubber is like polyterpene. So okay. It's these isoprenes and like a little bit of organic impurity, and that's rubber. All right, well, now I know. Yeah. 
Tell your friends. Watch them be shocked. When you're smoking down on a dab, and they're like, yo, man, those terps slap. They said, yo, man, rubber's a terpene. You like smoking rubber? Don't ask them that. Just tell them rubber's a terpene. It's a fun fact. They might say that you like smoking rubber. We don't want to deal with that. Yeah, don't. Yeah. Dudes, there there are some sites, some of the popular cannabis sites that list, literally, and I think this is a big part of where this comes from, um, like tar as a flavor for cannabis strains. And I think that's kind of the vibe. It's uh, like that. that's what they're trying to kind of say, right? Like it's got this quasi-rubber nature. You know what I'm saying? I don't think that would be appealing, but some people have gone to the point of saying like, well, you can denote this as a flavor. Yeah, I mean, I get it. The whole gasoline thing. Like even I see like similar descriptions yeah. in like coffee flavors and even and even like when that. even when you distill you distill in a, a fractionating column and what a fractionating column does is, is like it just catches different things at different levels as it boils up sure, and that that's like exactly what they do head. with crude oil that's wild they boil crude oil and they have these massive silos and they have these shelves and so as the gas rises it separates into these different things as it cools and heats up and gets thinner and cleaner true yeah it's wild. wild yeah anyway let's get out of here hope i didn't make a fool of myself just want to give everybody a shout out my dog yt much love glenn uh shout out. yeah shout out uh Kevy, Andy, Sam, Matt, Sammy, Glennie D. It's been a great time here at the gas station. Appreciate you for the Terp Talk. Much love, everybody. See you later. Fire in. Oh, shit. You fire out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My dog. <laughs> I almost messed that up, dude.